guys. Welcome to What's the Word Today. Today we're talking about tools to stop sinning. I'm actually going to give you nine tools to stop sinning. And uh, have I wanted to talk about uh, the situation that we found ourselves in. With that, go ahead and like, uh, share, and subscribe. Hit the little bell, get notifications when we go live. And uh, we just love you. We're glad you're here with us today. Drop it in the comments, whether you're live or whether you're watching in the archive, where you're watching from, uh, who are you, what's your name, and uh, we're glad to have you on today. Listen, tomorrow I'm going to help give you a list of how to identify and handle triggers of sin in our life. So tomorrow is sin triggers. What we found is a lot of times uh, when sin has been wrecking our lives, uh, one of the issues is that there are triggers way before the sin happens. Triggers that if you'll recognize them, they will help you uh, to grow. And why are we talking about sin? Uh, why is it? Why is it that it's important to get sin out of our life and get immorality out of our life. Well, the Bible says this. It says the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. In other words, it causes death in our life. It causes death in our finances. It causes death in our physical and mental and social health. Uh, sin has so many things uh, that are negative in our lives. And one of the things that we want to do is eradicate that from our lives. And praise God, we have help for that. Uh, in 1 John 3, 8, it says, please somebody put that in the comments. Hey, everybody that's watching, and uh, see all your comments on there. Uh, it says in 1 John 3, 8, it says, Jesus, or the Son of God, was manifested for this reason to destroy the works of the devil. And that's exactly what he did. And if we will learn how to apply the tools that he gave us, we can destroy the works of sin from our life and we can start walking in more and more of the blessing. Our light will be, uh, our life will be a light to the world, will we'll be pleasing in the eyes of God, we'll, we'll be happy with ourselves. And so that's why we're talking about it. And so as we jump in today, what I want to start out with this, what's the situation that we've been facing? And so right now, uh, one of the things that we've been facing with sin is that uh, many times, have you ever felt like you're just in a cycle of sin? Uh, you don't want to, uh, in Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about like this. He says, the thing I want to do, I, I don't do. And the thing I don't want to do, I do. And he ends up saying, oh, wretched man that I am. In other words, he's like, he, he found himself in this cycle of sin. And many times we've been in this cycle of sin where sin just keeps uh, disrupting our life. Sin continuously is just causing a train wreck of our life. And or it's just getting us off. It's derailing the plans of God. And God has good plans for your life, but sin keeps you know, seemingly derailing all of that. And we don't want to stay there. We want to deal with it. We want to get it out of our lives. And uh, But then when you run in those cycles, what's the next thing that comes after? And all oh, the devil loves to pour this on you is condemnation. So our, the situation we find ourselves in is the cycles of sin, one, two, then the condemnation that follows that. It's like, you know, just the weight of, of the judgment on you, just a weight of condemnation. But God's plan for us, actually, in Romans 8, 1, 
is that there is now therefore no condemnation. And the King James says this, for those who walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. So what does that show us? It shows us that God has provided a way to escape sin and escape the condemnation that goes with it. I know for myself, uh, you know, I've walked out where I've been in cycles of sin. I've had the condemnation, and it was horrible. As a, as a believer, as a Christian, having one foot in a sinful world and one foot in the kingdom of God was just one of the worst things for me. I mean, it was ripping me apart. It was horrible. And uh, then you, the third thing is you get tired of the cost of sin. In other words, like sin will cost you. You know, when I used to go out and drink, I would wake up the next morning with headaches and dry mouth and, you know, I'd be coughing all the time from smoking cigarettes and just all of these thin things, it cost you. And I got tired of paying the cost of it. But yet, you know, the thing that I shouldn't do, my flesh still wanted to do that. And so looking at this situation, I want to continue to look at this and then let's go over these tools to get that sin out of your life. And, and it, not only was I tired of the cost of sin, but the fourth thing in the situation was I was really desiring the holiness of God and I was desiring his anointing. His anointing, His glory, His power. I wanted to walk in His glory. I wanted to walk in His anointing. And so, you know, I had been in a sin cycle one, then the condemnation, then the cost of sin. I really desired a holiness and an anointing. And, and the last thing was, and I just want to love on God. I want to love him. I want to show him my love. I didn't want to walk in sin. I wanted to be pleasing to God, and I wanted to make him pleased. You know, I wanted to be pleasing to God, and sin doesn't please him. And so all of these things, I found myself in these situations over the years, and I said, how do I break this cycle? How do I break sin? How do I do it? And so as we jump into the tools to break sin in your life. I want to give you one more thing. I want to give you how we got to this place very, very quickly. And, and, this, and I want to give you a little bit of an understanding very briefly. And I want to give you this setup for where we are, how we got here, and what Jesus did so that these tools that I'm about to give you, you'll be empowered. Because if you don't understand this, then you won't understand the strength of the tools and you won't understand how God has already helped you in its fullness and what we're up against. All right. So the first thing is that when we were born into this world, one of the things to understand is that spiritually we were born into sin. We were already had sin that was present in the nature of this corrupted flesh. You know, in this corrupted uh, flesh body, this is a corrupted nature that we actually inherited this sin nature from the devil. The Bible tells us that the devil is the father of our corrupted sinful nature, right? It teaches us that. So one of the things that we see is that this was already present. Well, praise God, the Lord didn't leave us there. 
In other words, he did something about it. And, and it's been sitting there waiting on us. All we had to do was go into the things of God because God didn't see us sitting there and just say, okay, there's no hope for you. Oh, no, there's hope for us. But one of the things is uh, Jesus came to do something about it. The verse I already uh, spoke of, 1 John 3, 8. The Son of God was manifested to destroy, destroy the works of of the devil. Put that in the comments. The Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. And if we will yield ourselves to Jesus, he will help us destroy sin in our lives and destroy the wages of that sin in our life. So, then uh, one of the things that you see is this. Okay, now that I'm born again and Jesus is manifest and he did something about it, how do I apply that? Why do I still feel like sin is present in my life? Well, let, let me tell you, because it is. Sin's still present, but the power of it is broken. And so the thing for us to do first is to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. If we will make Jesus the Lord of our lives and believe on him, he will make us righteous and save us, right? And so if you want to you know, walk in this, just right now, I just encourage you, let's just pray right now the first step of beating back sin and walking in the victory that Jesus has for us is to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So right now, let's just pray. Make this with all your heart. Say, Lord, I need your help. Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. You are the director. Today, I commit to you fresh and new as the Lord of my life, I will do whatever you tell me to do. I will stop going after sin. I will stop fulfilling that sinful nature and I will do what you want me to do. And I believe in you that you'll help me, that you will empower me. And I believe that God brought you back to life and raised you from death, raised you from that power of sin and the wages of sin. And when God raised you up, you didn't leave me in the place of death. You raised me up with you, and now I'm seated with you in the place of victory, in heavenly places, and I ask you to baptize me with the Holy Spirit and with fire so that I can walk free of sin and be like you in this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, let me show you. So when this happened, when you become born again, here's what happens. Sin, in, in, sin is a product of the nature of a corrupted flesh. Well, praise God, our corrupted flesh is not all who we are. Our, the, every person is made up of three parts. There's three parts of man. The Bible teaches us in Thessalonians, I believe it's 1 Thessalonians, maybe 5.23 uh, or 5.16, and uh, they can look it up and put it on here. But it says this. It says that, that we are made up of a spirit, a soul, 
and a body. Three parts. The spirit man or the inner man, this is the real you. And when you're born again, that spirit of man is made completely new. The Bible says in uh, 2 Corinthians 5 that we're made a completely new creation, verse 17. And then it says in verse 21 that Jesus gave us his righteousness. In other words, he took his righteousness and he gave it to us, right? So the spirit man, that one part, completely brand new, no sin nature, that's the real us. But then you have a flesh, and you have the sinful flesh nature. And it's still there when you get born again. Like even when I prayed that prayer a second ago, my, you know, how I look, it didn't change completely. Now, over time, the peace of God may make me smile more, right? I'll carry peace in a different way. I might be healed. I might be delivered. But the sinful nature of the flesh is still in the corrupted flesh. The Bible teaches us later on that, our, that we will be glorified, that we will receive new glorified bodies and at that point we will be transformed and that sin nature will be gone forever. It will be out of our body. But in the meantime we still have, while we're here on this earth in this age, we have a flesh and our job of that flesh is for our spirit man to submit that flesh sin nature. And how we do that is the soul. The soul is our mind, will, and emotions. So put this down, if you would, in the comments. Our, our spirit is the real me. My spirit is the real me, the inner man. Put this down. The soul is my mind, will, and emotions. And the flesh is the physical body that carries the corrupted sin nature that I must submit. My flesh is the physical body that carries the corrupted sin nature that I must submit. The soul is the mind, will, and emotions that I must renew, that I must renew. Amen. But the flesh is that, that physical body that carries the corrupted sin nature that I must submit. The soul is the mind, will, and emotions that I must renew. And the spirit is the real me who, if I'm in Christ and received him as my Savior, it has made a completely new creation with the righteousness of God. And so what a lot of people have not understood is the three parts of man. And so when they don't understand the three parts of man, they wonder why in the world I really do love Jesus. Why do I still want to sin? Because there's still a nature there in the flesh that we must submit. And the more that we renew our mind to the Word of God, the more we'll be able to see what is sin, what isn't, and the more our thoughts will line up with God, and we won't fall into some of the temptations that we fell in before. And so we'll get better and better and better and better and better. But we must understand this from the get-go. Even though my mind's not renewed yet, and even though my flesh man still has sin, as soon as we're born again, we have the victory in the inner man, and we have the power through Jesus Christ 
to completely put sin out of our life. We have the power to say no. In other words, Jesus broke the power and gave us the victory over sin instantly. But many people have told their flesh yes and told sin yes for so long that they're used to telling it yes, and they just think, I can't change it. But that's not true. That's a lie from the devil. Jesus has given us the power to tell the flesh no, and he will back you with the strength to destroy the works of the enemy in your life. So know this, that you have the victory right now. Amen. Now, let me show you one thing. Uh, I want to tell you a story real quickly. I uh, one time as, I, as a pastor, uh, I was a brand new pastor, and uh, I had done something, and I don't remember all of the details of what I did, but I remember how God talked to me and uh, about the situation. Basically, I had sinned in some way, and I was just dealing with it. I was in condemnation. Here I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to be leading people out of sin, and I knew that I had messed up. I knew that I had done the wrong thing. I knew I knew that that I you know shouldn't have done that, and I found myself in the place you know where I ended up you know taking the wrong action, saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing, and and the truth is, just being real honest, I found myself in that situation multiple times as a pastor. You know, it's not like the sin nature goes away because you're a pastor. You know, but how you handle it and what you, how you deal with it has everything to do. And it's not, listen, let me tell you this. You're not sinning just because you're tempted. That's not a sin. What you do with the temptation is a sin. A lot of people feel condemnation just because they're sinning. Brother Hagin used to have a, a statement. He said, he said it's kind of like this. Just because uh, birds uh, birds will fly over your head, but if they fly over your head, that's okay. But you don't have to let them nest in your hair. In other words, I, have, I can't stop them from flying overhead, but I can stop them from making a nest in my life. And it's the same way with temptation and sin. You know, temptation, I can't stop temptation from coming. You know, I can do things to uh, eliminate it once it gets there. I can do things to limit it. But I can't stop temptation from coming, but I can stop it from turning into sin in my life. But many times the devil will get people in condemnation just because they had a temptation to sin. And I've watched many pastors that almost fell apart over condemnation. That's why Jesus gives us the promise. There is now therefore no condemnation for those who in, in Christ Jesus for those who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. He doesn't want us to have condemnation. He gives us tools to get out of condemnation. He gives us tools to get out of sin. And we're going to talk about those in just a minute and give you these, these nine different tools of leaving sin behind. And I'll tell you, this is just a, um, a refresher course of this. I'm not going to go into super detail with them. I'm just going to show them to you so that you'll have this list and you can go and meditate on it and study on it some more. And so get ready for that. But before I do, one of the things I want to show you is tell you the story. So here I was, and I'd messed up, and I'd sinned. I'd had temptation. I'd fallen for it, found myself in sin, and I'm a pastor. And uh, I was sitting there, and, and, and let me just tell you, you know, which sin is greater? You know, is, uh, you know, lying the greatest sin 
adultery the greatest sin, thievery the greatest sin, uh, telling a white lie, cheating on a test, cheating on your taxes, you know. Um, how about a lack of faith that Romans says is sin in Romans 14? See, you have to understand, sin is sin. And in the presence of God, it's not pleasant and it's not pleasing, no matter how big or how little. And a lot of people always want to pay attention to the big sins, but they don't pay attention to the little ones because they think they're okay. I've watched for years as Christians think that little sin's okay. Well, white lie doesn't hurt anybody. Yeah, it does. It hurts you. It hurts you because you're, you're relying on what the lie will get you instead of God as your source, which is going to turn into a habit in many areas of your life. And if God's not the source, it's ultimately going to lead you to a place of lack. Any sin is a problem. And so don't just focus on the big ones. Focus on all of them. Focus on all of them. And so years ago, the Lord told me, and I'll get back to that story in a second, but years ago, the Lord told me this. He said, I want you to live your life in such a way that the devil himself, the accuser, could go over your life with a fine tooth comb and not find anything to accuse you over. And I thought, my goodness, Lord, that is a tall order, and I don't know how I'm going to do it. And, and basically what he led me to is, yeah, you by yourself, you can't handle it. But if you will just do and handle one of those items at a time, one at a time, I will help you. I will empower you. And the truth be told, as I went forward, I just kept handing them things as quickly as I could. I started doing what he told me to do. I stopped doing what he told me to stop doing. And, and before I knew it, I had cleaned up the majority of those things, and I was amazed. You know, it took me a few years, but not as long as what I thought. And now he's got me working on little things here and there that make a big difference in my life and a big difference in the anointing and in the power and in the blessing. And you can do the same thing because he doesn't love me more than he loves you. He's not a respecter of persons. But he will help you like he, helped, like he helped me. He is such a good and faithful God. And so here I was. I'm a pastor. I'd sinned, and I was feeling the condemnation. And the truth is, I didn't even want to talk to God. I didn't even want to talk to him. I, didn't, I did not even want to talk to him. And that, that right there shows you the nature of sin, to separate you from a loving father. One of the most irritating things as a dad is when my kids have messed up and they feel afraid to come and talk to me. Not because I, you know, like beat them all their life or anything. Maybe I needed to. They're still here. And uh, <laughs> no, um, not that I've done that. But sin will take you to the place that it makes you want to break connection with the one that can actually help you. And it's like, here I am as a dad. Here I am as a pastor. I want to help you. And somebody doesn't even feel like talking because they had sin in their life. Sin, sin one of the fruits of sin, a bad fruit, is that it will cause you to break connection with the actual help that God has provided and the relationships. Sin, the bad fruit of sin is a breaking of the connection, of the helpful connections in your life and the helpful fellowship. So here I am. I didn't even want to talk to God. 
And about that time, uh, the Lord spoke to me. And, uh, you know, most of you know that I used to be in the Marines. And uh, how he spoke to me got my attention. It took me back to those days. Because he spoke with authority and he spoke strong. And he said, I said, come boldly before my throne. I said, come boldly before my throne. That's how he said it. And I went, oh. And uh, I was immediately, I was thinking, immediately I was thinking, I remember those priests in the Old Testament that wore bells on their garments because as long as they were moving, the bells were making noise. But if all of a sudden the bells stopped making noise, they had a rope tied to the, free, the feet of the priest in the Holy of Holies in the presence of God. And if the bells stopped making noise, it generally meant they had sin in their life and the holiness of God burnt them up. And I don't want to be burnt up. <laughs> I was like, uh, I don't want to come boldly before your throne. I especially don't want to come in pride boldly. And the Lord said this to me again. I even stronger. I said, come boldly before my throne. And that got my attention. And I realized what he was saying to me. I realized exactly what he meant when he said it. And I realized right then, God loves me and God loves you. And God would not tell me something that's going to burn me up. He doesn't want me dead. He wants me alive and thriving. And he wants you living life to the full till it overflows and thriving. He wants you thriving, not beat up by sin. He wants you thriving. He loves you. And he wasn't telling me that to burn me up. He was telling me that to get me help. And here's what he did. Here's Hebrews. Here's what he was talking about. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 says, For we do not have a high priest, Jesus, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. In other words, we have a high priest who understands the weaknesses of this flesh. He's seen it. He's been around it. He felt the temptations of the flesh. Watch this though. But we have one, Jesus, our high priest, who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. You know, if I want to go learn how to do something, I don't, I don't go to the guy who's failed 20 times. I go to the guy who succeeded. <laughs> if I want to learn something, I want to find somebody who succeeded. And Jesus succeeded 100% of the time with sin. Who better to help you and me get rid of sin in our lives and destroy the works of the devil in our life? Who better? Jesus and then it says, watch, here's where it came from. Verse 16, therefore, let us draw near with confidence. The King James says with boldness. With confidence and boldness to the throne of grace. Not the throne of condemnation. The throne of grace, and watch this, not to get burned up, but so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need, to find grace, to help in time of need. Jesus was telling me, come boldly and in confidence of my love for you and my mercy and grace for you, and I'll help you. 
And I turned to the Lord, and he helped me do exactly that. He helped me start working out uh, you know, that remaining sin in my life. He helped me start working on to find help, not when I had it all together. He wasn't, he wasn't saying, you know, he'll help me then too. But he wasn't saying, come boldly before my throne. When you get it all together, come see me. No, he wasn't telling me that. Like I had some pastors, you know, some ministers that told me early on in ministry, well, when you get up to 100 or 200 people, call me and I'll come help you then. I need help now. <laughs> I, don't need, I don't need help when I've got it successful. I mean, I'll need help then too, but I need it now. Jesus isn't saying, get all your stuff together and then I'll help you. No, he says, he says I'll help you right where you're at. Matter of fact, if you go into Romans 5, verse 6, verse 8, and verse 10, you'll see exactly that. Verse 6, verse 8, and verse 10 says this, that when we were helpless, when we were sinners, and we were enemies of God, it's when we were helpless, when we were sinners, and when we were enemies that Jesus died for us. It was at that moment that Jesus died for us. Not when we had it all together. When we were at our worst, that's when he died for us. Glory to God, that's when he helps us. When He basically helps us whenever we need it. At our worst, at our best, he helps us whenever we need it. Why? Because that's his heart. He's a loving father. He's a loving father. So right now, I want to give you these tools to break sin. So no matter, you know, now that you see the situation, yeah, okay, we're born again, we're in the family of God, but we still have a flesh nature we have to deal with. How, what tools has God given us to break, to break that sin forever in our lives? Let's go, uh, let's look at them right now. I'm going to give you nine different tools. Let me give these to you. I'm, I'm going to read them out to you right now, and then I'm going to give you a little bit of detail because there are some steps in certain ones. So one through nine, the first tool to break sin is a relationship with Jesus. Second tool is the presence of God, his presence. The third tool is the anointing, his power and anointing. The fourth tool is the word of God. The fifth tool is, and I'll go back over these quickly, confession and repentance. The sixth tool is setting your mind. The, the seventh tool is accountability strength. The eighth tool is fasting and prayer. And the ninth tool is fleeing temptations. Let me read those one more time. The tools to break sin, and there may be more, but these I, I would consider to be the main ones. Tools to break sin, nine of them. One, relationship with Jesus. Two, the presence of God. Three, the anointing. Four, the word of God. Five, confession and repentance. Six, setting your mind Seven, accountability strength. Eight, 
fasting and prayer, and nine, fleeing temptations. So let me tell you about each one of these real quick. The first thing is, you don't have any promises to manifest until you have received the relationship with Jesus Christ. When you receive that relationship with Jesus Christ, you are now in the family of God and you have an inheritance of his power and of his nature. He says that he has, he has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Ephesians 1.3. In 2 Peter 1.3, it says that he's granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. And in verse 4, it says that he's made us partakers or partners with his divine nature. In other words, it won't just be our power alone left to our own strength. No, we have the ability to draw from him because we have an inheritance, because we are his children made in his image and likeness, and now we have received that. So for us to break sin, the first thing we must have is a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We must accept him and as our Lord and Savior and become a part of his family. Now, in that, there's two things. The first thing is, how can you break sin if you keep the old sin nature in your spirit, man? We have to have a new nature. So the first thing in that relationship with Jesus is a new nature. The second thing is that we have a new inheritance, a new inheritance. And the third thing that we have is an intimate fellowship, Acts 17, 28. So if you wanted the new nature would be 2 Corinthians 5, 17 uh, through 21. Uh, the inheritance would be basically Ephesians chapter 1 uh, and into about verse 8 of chapter 2 you see in the inheritance. But a lot of it's in Ephesians chapter 1. You can see the beginnings of it. And then the intimate fellowship you can see in John 3.16, John 17.3, and you can see it in Acts 17.28. So John 3.16 shows us that he wants to get us in our, in our inheritance eternal life. John 17.3 says that eternal life is to know him or to have an intimate fellowship, a working relationship with God where you, you learn to trust and rely and he can speak to you and you can speak to him and you have this intimacy with him and that's knowing him. And then in Acts 17.28, uh, you see uh, that it says, in him we live and move and have our being in him. Out of that relationship and out of that fellowship comes all the pieces of life and all the pieces of godliness that we need. And uh, I'm reminded of in John, uh, it's around, I think, chapter 15, I believe it is, where it says, abide in me and I abide in you, and you will ask what you will, and you will have what you pray for. You'll have whatever you ask for. So the first tool to break sin is you must have a relationship with Jesus. It will bring about a new nature, a new inheritance, and it'll bring about a fellowship with him that life comes from. In other words, our life originates in that fellowship with Jesus Christ. And so the second thing is the second tool to put down sin is the presence of God. 
the presence of God. And so you see, I believe it is uh, Hebrews, I'll let them look it up, but I believe it's in Hebrews 12 at the end of the, the last verse in that chapter where it says, our God is a consuming fire. And we see that the presence of God, the glory of God on our lives will help us to burn up those sin temptations in our lives. Uh, the, the fire of God purifies, consecrates, and it purges those things in our life. It, it, it pure, purifies, consecrates, and purges the fire of God in our lives. And, and I would say a baptism of fire. A baptism of the fire of God, that, that is spoken about in Luke 3.16. A baptism in the Holy Ghost and a baptism of fire. That baptism and being fully in the presence of God, baptized by the fire of God, it will purify and burn out those pieces in your life. It's a relationship with God that has His presence Come into your life, in your home, in your car, everywhere you go. Carry his presence, and it helps to burn that sin out. So it's a relationship with Jesus, the presence of God Almighty, the fire of God. He is a consuming fire. The third tool is the anointing. And here's why. The, the Bible says, I think it's Isaiah maybe 10, 27. It says, the anointing breaks the yoke. The anointing breaks the yoke. Y'all can verify that verse for me. The anointing breaks the yoke. And so that yoke of sin, what's going to break it according to the word? The fire of God will burn it up. The anointing will break its power over your life where that yoke of bondage, you know, that thing that holds you in a bondage, it'll never fit on your life anymore because of the anointing. Well, how does the anointing come? The baptism of the Holy Ghost. We need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We need that. The Holy Ghost is the uh, dynamic power in the Greek word. The word is dunamis. It's a dunamis power. It means a dynamic power of God that manifests in our life comes through the Holy Ghost. That's the anointing or the oil or uh, the Old Testament term speaks of a fatness. In other words, uh, what would happen if you've ever seen uh, cattle that had a yoke they would have a yoke on them, and they would pull the cart, but they would be under bondage to that yoke, and that's the way we were, was under bondage to sin. And so that yoke, but if that cattle would keep eating, and keep eating, and keep eating, his neck would grow fat, and that old yoke wouldn't work anymore. In other words, the blessing in his life caused it so that, that those old bondages, they don't work anymore. Matter of fact, it would break those yokes completely off of their life. That's the anointing of the Holy Ghost. This is why the devil really fights people being baptized in the Holy Spirit and baptized in the fire of God. He does not want people walking there because he knows that they start walking in the baptism of the Holy Ghost and they actually walk it out and they stayed filled like it says in Ephesians 5.18, 
They are being filled constantly, constantly. They're being filled with the Holy Ghost, and they're constantly being filled with the consuming fire of God in their life. He's like, if they do that, I can't do anything with them. Sin won't have any, anything to do with them because they're too filled with the presence of God and the anointing of God. I'll throw sin at them, and they'll just bust it up. That's what God wants for you. And one of the things that he says is when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, praying in the Spirit, you build yourself up on that most holy faith. In other words, you build yourself up to be powerful to tell sin, no, I'm not doing that. No, I'm not doing it. Nope. No, I don't, I don't want that. I'm not doing it. And so the first three things that we've talked about is a relationship with Jesus, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, is the anointing, and I set it out of order, and the presence of God or the baptism of the consuming fire of the Lord. The fourth tool to break sin in your life is the Word of God. The Word of God. And uh, I want to give you this in a couple of different ways because uh, the Word as in the Bible, but also the Word that's an, an alive rhema word that I'll tell you about in just a second. But it's the Word of God. The Word of God will help you break sin. And the first part of the Word of God is that we need to get the knowledge that's in here. We need this knowledge because as we know things, it, the Word says this, I think it's Hosea, is it 4.6 or 6.4? 4.6. Hosea 4.6 says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. It says in Isaiah, uh, believe it, I just read it yesterday. It's verse 13, 11, 13 maybe. Isaiah 11, 13, I think. And it, it says, my people are gone in captivity for a lack of understanding. In other words, they're, they're in bondage because they don't know and they don't have any understanding. But this word is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide asunder and show us what we need to know, when we need to know it, how we need to know it, to get the knowledge, to get the understanding. 5.13, thank you, Isaiah 5.13. To get the things that we need, to get the things that we need to know, and when we know it, that word will give us the wisdom and the knowledge of God that will show us the traps of sin. Many times, sin is a lot harder on us because we find ourselves in the trap of sin. But if we have knowledge, we'll actually avoid the traps, and it'll never spring on us. But many times when sin springs its trap, we're already so deep in, we're caught. But if we will learn how to avoid the traps by the knowledge of God, then we can stay away from that. Amen. And uh, that'll be what we talk about tomorrow is some of those traps of sin. Some of the, the things that the devil sets up to trap us in that sin. Okay, now... So the Word of God will give us knowledge. Now, there, I broke that down into four different pieces that you need to know about this, uh, four specific things that will help against sin. Number one, the knowledge we need to get. The first thing we need to get is the knowledge of His love for us. He loves you with an everlasting love. You know, He didn't just love you when you had it all together. He loved you at your worst. He loved you at your worst. He loved you. Do you realize that even the people that deny him and go to hell, he still loves them? He still wishes that they weren't there. 
I have felt, I, I personally have felt his heart on that issue, and it changed me forever. His love for people is literally out of this world. It's out of this world. He loves you. The devil's telling you he doesn't love you. The devil's telling you he's mad at you. That is a lie. That is not true. God loves you with an everlasting love, and he longs to help you. And he's sitting there. He can't, he's not going to make you because he, he's not going to turn you into a robot, but he loves you. And the word of God will teach us about that love. All right. The second thing is what his will for you is. In other words, there's things many times we don't know. God wanted us over here, but our normal place of going was over here. And so the Bible will teach us what his will is and how to stay in his will instead of staying out of his will. He'll, the Bible will teach us he, he's got good things. Like, for example, Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you to give you a future and a hope, plans for you to fare well and not for calamity. So just listen to that. God, hope is a joy, a confidence, and an expectation. God's plans for you only include a good future, faring well, joy, confidence, and an expectation of the great things of God. And he has no plans for your calamity. See, when we get in the Word and we start to know His will for us, then we can say, oh, you know, sin is asking me to go do this, but God's asking me to do this. Look, sin has the wages of sin is death, but the wages of following God is blessed. Why would I choose that? I mean, it might be, and the Bible says, sin might be fun and a pleasure to the flesh for a season, but when I know the will of God for me, it's an easy decision. Oh, I don't want that. Give me, give me the plan of God, the will of God for my life, because that's always going to be better. And, and the Lord gave me this some time ago. Is he, and the Lord said this to me, God will never ask you for something that isn't an opportunity for increase. One of my favorite things, because when you understand that and you realize God's asking me to do something, oh, it's over. Because I know if he's asking me, it, his love demands that it be increased. His love demands that it be increased. So if God's asking me for something, I'm always going to be blessed and promoted by doing whatever he asks. Whether I can see the connection or not, if he's asking, it's always a blessing. It's always a blessing. It's always increase. So the Word of God will give us knowledge on His love for us. The Word of God will give us knowledge on His will for us. Watch this. The Word of God will show us knowledge of the victory we already have over sin. See, many people are approaching sin like, God, i got to get on top of this. No, Jesus already beat sin. He's, and you're in Christ. And as he is, so are you in the world. He's already got the victory. You already, as a believer, you already have the power to put it down. The devil's just tricked you into thinking that you've got to work for sin, that you've got to do it. You have the victory right now. You are already, in Ephesians 2, you are already seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You are not fighting from the position of needing to win the victory, you are already in the victory. You're just enforcing the power that Jesus has already exercised over sin and death. You're, all, you're just enforcing it. No, I don't have to do that. 
See, the Bible will teach us that knowledge of his victory that we already have. The other thing his knowledge, uh, the Bible will teach us is knowledge of his grace. That grace is not, a grace is not there to let you get away with sin. Grace is there to empower you in Titus chapter 2, seems like it's 13. Um, it says this, that grace is there to deny ungodliness, right? To deny. In other words, grace is a power and a favor and a supernatural power that will help us live without sin. In other words, grace will empower us to say no. Remember where I said in 2 Peter uh, 1.3, where I said he's already granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, right? He's already granted it to us. Well, one of those things he granted to us was grace, which was the power to say no to sin. You already have that if you're a believer. And if you don't have that, you can have it by getting that relationship right through Jesus Christ. So the Word of God is a tool against sin because it gives you knowledge. Knowledge of His love, His will, His victory, and His grace. But here's what it also does. Remember where it says, Resist the devil and he will flee. Two different places in James 4 and in 1 Peter 5 it, 5, it talks about that we need to resist the devil and he will flee. Resist the devil and he will flee. God's given us a command. Resist him. We have a responsibility to resist sin. Not go along with it, but to resist it. We have a responsibility to resist that sin. That's something that you'll see in the Word of God. The Word of God will show us, look, this is, as a believer, as a child of God, as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, I can't just go along with sin. I've got to resist it. I have a responsibility as a citizen, as a child of God. I must resist sin, right? The Bible will teach us that. It will show us that. We'll also see that we are washed by the water of the Word, Right? Our lives, the Bible teaches us that we are washed by the water of the Word. I think that's in Ephesians 5, I believe. We're washed by the water of the Word. Right? In, in Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, renew our minds, be transformed, transform our minds. Right? And what's that talking about? To the Word of God. Uh, we need to be transformed, not conformed to the world but transformed by the renewing of our mind, by the letting the Word of God wash us, show us the actual truth. Not what the world has taught us are facts, but what does the Word of God show us is truth. There's a difference between truth and facts. Factual things may be a fact in the earth, but not all facts will lead you to freedom. But if you continue in my word, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Truth always brings about freedom. And if it's not taking you to freedom, it's not a truth, it's a fact. There you can be, hey, I have a cold that's trying to attack me. That may be a fact, but the truth is that I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. Can you see that? All right, so then you'll see uh, the, the facts are sin may be trying to sift me. But the truth is that Jesus has defeated the power of sin and made me victorious. And as he is, so am I in this world. I have the power to tell sin no. That's the truth. The Word of God will teach us the truth 
of what God has for us, and it will wash and renew our mind. Remember, when I talked earlier, this is why it's important. You have the spirit man and the flesh man. The spirit man, if you're in Christ, is a completely new creation, wants to do godly things, is always thinking godly. The flesh man is always wanting to fulfill the nature of a corrupted, sinful flesh. That decision is made in your mind, in the mind, will, and emotions, the soul. So the more that our mind is renewed to the Word of God, the more when sin tries to give us that input to our mind, the more our mind is renewed, the more we'll be able to recognize, no, that's ungodly. Okay, this is godly. Do that. Don't do that. And we'll, the more we wash our minds with the water of the Word and renew our mind to the things of God, the more we'll recognize those sin traps and we won't fall for them. And we'll know who we are. We'll know our inheritance. We'll know our identity in Christ. That that sin man, that's not who I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. The Word of God is a major tool, of course, against sin. All right, so here's another thing about the Word of God. Do you remember when sin came knocking at the door of Jesus in Luke chapter 4? In Matthew chapter 4? Do you remember what happened? He gets baptized to fulfill all righteousness. The Holy Spirit leads him out into the wilderness. He fasts and prays for 40 days and nights. And all of a sudden when he's hungry, here comes the devil and he throws three temptations at him. Do you remember what Jesus' response was? In that moment, filled with the Holy Ghost, there was another important reason to be filled and baptized with the Holy Ghost. In that moment, God feeds him the exact Word of God, a Scripture that was his weapon, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, weapon against the enemy. The devil tries three temptations. He says, turn these stones into bread. I know you're hungry. Turn these stones into bread. Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It is written, like Buddy just said, it is written. Each time the devil tempts him with sin, he gives him an alive word right in that moment to beat back sin. The word of God that we know and, and that we study and the word that God will give us by the Holy Ghost right there in that moment, it's a weapon against sin. It's a tool. Amen. The next thing, the fifth thing, is confession and repentance. The fifth tool against sin, confession and repentance. The first thing is, if you found yourself after you've been born again and you've sinned, right? What God was telling me that day was come boldly before the throne. He was wanting me to say, lay that sin at the altar. Crucify that thing and say, Lord, I confess it and I'm asking you, to forgive me. And, I, and I'm believing that you are forgiven me and I'm receiving a complete forgiveness of all the sin and a forgiveness of all the condemnation. And I'm walking out of this confession and repentance with you completely clean and empowered to be righteous and apply the grace of God again in my life. And so you see in 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 8, 9, and 10, it talks to us about sin. Sin past, sin present, and sin future, right? And one of the things that it says is that if you've sinned, if one of you sinned, if you confess your sins to God, He is faithful. He is faithful to forgive you of 
every transgression and remove every transgression. If you can faith, he is, he is faithful. It's not, it's not that we've been faithful all the time. We've missed it. But praise God, the Lord is faithful all the time who will help us in times of trouble. God just says, come to me and confess and repent. Confess and repent. Now listen, I want to talk real quick about godly sorrow versus worldly sorrow. I think it's in Corinthians it talks about worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. Worldly sorrow is basically being sorry that we got caught. I'm sorry that I am paying the wages of sin. I'm sorry that I have lack in my life. That's worldly sorrow. I wish I wouldn't have got caught because I don't want to pay this price. That's worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow leads to change. Repentance is simply change. I won't do this again. Lord, I'm sorry. I never want to do it again. And I'm completely changing my thinking on it. And I'm going a different direction. 2 Corinthians 7.10. Thank you. it, all of a sudden you see, I don't, I'm not just sorry I got caught. I'm not just sorry that I'm having to pay the wages. I'm repenting and I never want to go that way again. I'm changing how I think towards it and I'm confessing to you that I did it wrong and, I, and I'm never going to do it again. I'm going the opposite way. I'm going towards God from here on out. I'm not going to do that ever again, right? And when we confess and repent, God is faithful and just to remove all transgressions from us, and we break the power of that condemnation. We break the power of that judgment of sin over our lives. We step back into that right relationship with God, and we can apply grace to say no. We can apply grace to say no. All right, now, one of the things that you see is that confession and repentance is so important to getting back in a relationship. So that story that I told you at the beginning when I said that I didn't even feel like talking to God? What was sin and the devil trying to get me to do? Stay out of relationship with the very one who could help me. Because he knew while that relationship's broken, he's in control. The devil's in control. The sin and corruption's in control. But if I repent and I come back into a, a good standing with God, and I come back into that right relationship, the devil loses control immediately. So that's one of the things. The devil constantly uses condemnation to try and keep people out of relationship with God, and then they don't have the strength and the power that they need to keep walking in that way. Another thing about confession and repentance is found in James 5 as one place where it says, come before the elders of the, of the church, Confess your sins one to another that you might be healed. In other words, there's a place to come between, come to your spiritual leaders and say, hey, I've had this going on in my life. It's funny over the years as I've done this, I've watched other people do this. When somebody comes and they tell me something that they've been struggling with, there is a complete relief a burden's removed, and the grace of God is just given. It's so good and so strong. And you watch it happen to them right there in a few seconds. Hey, Pastor, I just want to tell you this. You know, I, I've told this to the Lord, but I want to tell you as well. I want to tell you about, about this. I've been, I have been struggling with this. I'm asking God for forgiveness, but I want you to know about it. I'm confessing it to you. And all of a sudden, that burden falls off. They have somebody that's accountable with them. And, and right in that moment, there's a grace that's poured out. Confession and repentance, the fifth tool. The sixth tool, setting your mind. Setting your mind. Uh, we need to have a mind 
set on the will of God. So let me, when you set your mind, it empowers you to walk it out. In other words, one of the things that's good to do, and I found this helpful for me, when I face this situation again, here's my answer. I'm predetermining it. Because many times when we get in a situation, there's emotions, there's all kinds of things that are happening, all kinds of things that are going on, and those emotions, man, they can pull and they can be strong. But if I've already set my mind, this is the answer when I face that, then it makes it helps me take the emotion and the pulls and the flesh pull out of that decision because I've set my mind, right? So one of the things to ask is this, what do you love? What do you love? Because see, here's the thing. The real you, the spirit man, if he's renewed in Christ, he only loves godliness, which is why, why Paul was saying the thing I want to do, I don't do, and the thing I don't want to do, I do, because the flesh man loves sin and the corruption. And so what do you love? Well, inside of the full being that you are, you have a love for sin in the flesh, man, but you also have a love for godliness, and you have to decide which one of those you're going to feed. Which one is it that's ruling? Which one's on the throne? What do you love? Well, the real you is that spirit, man. And so you need to take some time to think, you know what? I really don't like this. I don't want this. As much as my flesh does, the real me, the spirit, the inner man, I don't love this. And the second question I had is, what do you want? And to give you an example of this, uh, one time I was you know, seeking to quit um, smoking. And uh, the Lord came to me and I actually had a point where I went before the elders of the church. I confessed that I had been smoking. I hated it. I hated telling people how to escape hell but smelling like it. I hated it. <laughs> and um, I didn't want to do it. Uh, and I went before the elders of the church. And they laid hands on me. And immediately the addiction of that nicotine and cigarettes was broken just like that. And for about a year I didn't have one. Then I had a stressful day in emotions. And I decided to have one. And within just a few weeks, I was hooked right back on them again. I went back before the elders of the church, and I, I asked them to pray. And that time, it didn't go away miraculously. And, and, and I was like, Lord, what's going on? He said, you got to deal with it. You need to deal with this. And when I was dealing with it, it's like, I, how many times had I quit? I can't tell you how many times I quit. <laughs> I quit so many times. And, uh, but I didn't really quit. I just stopped for a little bit. And I was just so disappointed. I said, Lord, and I finally went to the Lord in humility. And I said, Lord, what, what's going on? He says, he said, the problem that you're having is you don't really want to quit. And as soon as he said it, you know, when the Lord speaks something, it's, he nails it on the, on the head. And as soon as he said it, I was like, you're right. I really don't want to quit. <laughs> like I like, I like smoking. I like the taste. I hate it now. But at that point I was thinking, I do like it. I do want it. He said, you need to change that in your thinking. So I started meditating on all of the things that smoking caused in my life. A lack of health, dry mouth, you know, my throat messed up all the time, you know, cold sinuses, all that stuff, future degenerating health, uh, and, but the biggest thing was, I love you, 
and this is holding me back from living for you. And, and it, you know, it's holding me back from you, Lord. And so when I decided what I really love and what I really want, all of a sudden, as soon as I made that decision with the fullness of the core of my being, right, my mind was renewed to what I really love and what I really want. In other words, my spirit man had that in it the whole time. I had to get it in my soul. I had to get it renewed in my mind because in my mind before that, I really wanted to have the cigarette. But when I got it, I really want not to have that. I really love God more than I love this stupid you know, nicotine habit and addiction. When I got that in my soul and I got my mind set on that, instantly I was done. And I never had another one. And it was like I, I didn't have to have one ever again. I was completely broken because I changed and renewed my mind. My mind was set. What do you love? What do you want? The Word says this in Romans. I think it's Romans 8, 6. The mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. The mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. In other words, I won't have the wages of sin because I've set my mind and renewed my mind to Spirit thinking, to Holy Spirit thinking. Then, of course, in uh, 2 Corinthians 10 uh, verse, I think, 3 through 5, we have to take those thoughts captive. We can't think on things that aren't worthy of praise, uh, worthy of what God wants us to think on. As we take our thoughts captive and set our mind to the things of God, we'll put down the things of the flesh. The seventh tool is accountability strength. When you bring into your life spiritual leaders that you can take things to, ask questions about, all of a sudden immediately you gain a strength of accountability in that. But not only with your leaders, but the family of God. Are you in a life group? Are you, do you have the accountability strength of your peers, of that spiritual family in your life? This is a tool. I, know, I found this, you know, I don't want to let the people around me down. You know, that, that drives me. It's a weapon against sin. It's a tool against sin. I don't want to let them down. I don't want them to not be blessed because I'm not walking in it. It becomes a tool against sin. The eighth tool is fasting and prayer. It says in Isaiah 58 that when you fast, it breaks every yoke. It breaks every yoke. You want to break sin's power in your life? Fasting and prayer, I'll remind you of this. Jesus didn't say if you fast. Jesus said when you fast. Start fasting, even if it starts small. Fast, you know, fast a meal. Always be increasing, right? Always be increasing. Always be open. You know, I, I'm not telling you to, you know, fast 100% of the time. I'm saying build it up. Don't just stay at, you know, one meal uh, fast. Fast one meal to begin with. Move up to two. Move up to three a whole day. Move up to three days. Move up to a week. Move up to three weeks. Move up to 40 days if God tells you. I've done that. You can do it. You won't die. The devil wants you to think you'll die because he doesn't want the power of fasting and the tool of fasting to go to work in your life. But when you fast, it breaks every yoke and it'll break every yoke of sin in your life too. It's a tool that God has given. And let me give you this. The Lord will give you a supernatural strength to fast. It's not just you. God will give you every power, every power of his grace in your life to fulfill godliness. 
The ninth tool is this, and this is what we're going to talk about tomorrow. Fleeing temptations. It says, when you come up to places of sin and temptation, flee youthful lust. You know, it's not just talking about like lusting you know, after the opposite sex. It's just talking about the lust of sin in any form, in any whatsoever. Flee it. Flee. Run from that thing. But you've got to recognize what those sin traps are. You've got to recognize those traps of sin or else you'll find yourself in a, in a trap where the snare is set. Let's flee those situations that will give us there. We're going to talk about those in detail tomorrow. So here's the nine tools that we gave you today. Go over them one more time. A relationship with Jesus, the presence of God, the anointing, the Word of God, confession and repentance, setting your mind, accountability strength, fasting and prayer, and fleeing temptation. These tools will help you to break sin in your life. Tomorrow we're going to go over these triggers and these traps of sin, and it's going to be awesome. And so we just praise God. Listen, you know somebody that needs this. Share the broadcast. Share it with them. Let them get help as well. Let their lives go up. Be a, be a critical piece of their life going higher because of this. Amen? Share it. Share the broadcast. Give it, get it out to your friend, friends. Get the link and text it to them. Say, you need to watch this. This was so good and help me. You need to, you need to do that. And we just praise God for you. Now, you know, every day we sow this broadcast into the world. It doesn't cost anybody anything to do it except for us to get it out there in that way. We sow it into the world. If you would like to sow into the broadcast to get the good news of Christ out there with us, you're welcome to do it. And if the Lord has put that on your heart, here's the ways that you can do it. If you're watching on Facebook, you can just type in the comments, hashtag donate, followed by the amount uh, that you would like to uh, give. Or you, we've got uh, the Cash App. Uh, it's cash tab, cash tag Give WW for what's right. Give WW. Uh, you can uh, give by text to give. You can give by Bitcoin. You can give by PayPal. Or if you can go to GiveWW.org. GiveWW.org, and that'll take you straight to a page uh, where you can sow and even give a recurring giving and partner with us. You don't have to do that, but you can if you would like that. If you if you're fed on a topic. That's a time where you should say, I'm sowing into that. Because it's like you're saying, I'm sealing that word that I just heard in my life. I esteem it as the feeding that the Lord has given me as word to feed me. And I'm sowing into it and I'm sealing that. Thank you, Lord, for changing my life with that message today. That's a time to sow and that's a time to give. It's one that we should recognize more often and make sure that we honor what God just gave us by His word. Amen. So now, one of the things that we always like want to do and God's instructed us to do is forever for whoever is giving, our job as ministers is to bless that. And so right now, Father, everybody that's sowing today, no matter how much it is, Father, we receive that seed as seed sown into the spreading of your good news around the world, helping people, serving people with your word and with your love. And Father, we receive it as that. That's what it will be applied to. And Lord, in the name of Jesus, let every seed 
be blessed, pressed down, shaken together, running over shall men give unto their lives. Lord, let it be multiplied exponentially with a supernatural and quick harvest. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Glory to God. We love you so very much. And I see that comment so helpful and insane, insanely timely. You're welcome. Amen. We love you so very much. I'll see you tomorrow. We'll talk about the sin traps and the triggers that get us into that place. Because here's what I found. If we can identify those triggers and traps, we'll never get into the place where the trap will spring. If we can identify those, it'll help us stay out of those places that are full of emotional pressure and peer pressure. And all of a sudden, we won't be making an emotional decision. We'll be making a decision based on the Word of God. We love you. I'll see you tomorrow. Here's Barrett to wrap it up. Have a great day. Thank you for being on with us today. It was awesome. And we're going to be back tomorrow. As Pastor said, we're going to be talking about these things more and more and more. If you want to walk in freedom and you want to see the people you know walk in freedom for the rest of their lives, share this broadcast and make plans to be back with us tomorrow at 12 o'clock. Well, not 12 o'clock. Pastor starts at 12. The broadcast starts at 1130, though, and you get to join us tomorrow. It's going to be awesome. Also, when you see our commercial come out today, you're going to see it all over the place. When you see it, share it. Let people you know find out that Albemarle has its own live daily broadcast just for them. Thanks for being on. We're going to be back tomorrow at 1130 here on Lunch Plus.